Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about previous interviews, celebrity voices, and we have part one of our interview with Penny Power from Academy. Welcome everyone to The Kindness Project. I'm John, joined by two Good blokes who have been discussing our future interviews. It's Chris and Russell Danes. Um, Russ. We, we've had some amazing interviews. I'll just carry on the conversation. We've had some amazing interviews uh, in the Buzz and the Kindness Project. Who's been your favourite previous interview? I don't like any of us. <laughs> My favourite still to come. Your favourite still to come? No, I, I enjoyed... I mean, after insulting Costa Coffee in last week's interview, you... I enjoyed Ollie Smith. Did you? I thought that was a good one, actually. Oh, now, we know that Ollie Smith is a bit of a legend anyway. Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, but yes, I agree. That, I um, think that's the one that affected me most. In what way? It, it made me think about life. Life. Oh, life. I'm sorry. This about, is not becoming a thing on the podcast. About succeeding with, with disabilities. So, or, or adverse. Adversity. But we all succeed with an element of adversity, yeah. don't we? That's the idea of success. If so, it was a smooth ride, it would be... So, yeah. But, you just spoke to me. Well, I, you know what I love about Ollie? And, you know, I, I might start the Ollie Smith fan club because we do love him, um, is the fact that he's so open. Like, a, a lot of people sort of struggle with this sort of stuff, but Ollie's very much, look, I'm going through it, I'm having challenges, and I will do stuff, do good stuff despite yeah. of those challenges instead of using them as a as a, as a, as a, as a reason that I can't. I love it, yeah. absolutely love it. So yeah, really open, honest, and he's done some amazing things, particularly in, in sort of uh, my professional world, which is financial planning and financial services, highlighting the fact that mental health is a is a really big issue. So so well done, Ollie. We love you on the Kindness Project, mate. Um, what was your favourite interview you got involved I with? don't get to be involved in a lot. Um, a lot of the ones I do get to be involved in are Americans. <laughs> Just stating a fact, it is true yeah. that I get to be. A lot well, of normally, it. you're around when the time difference works. That's why That's I don't. True. I don't know That's why. True. What what American um what American interview did you really enjoy? I the first one I got involved in donkeys years ago now the the butterfly one. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember that lady's I, name. I, I think it's. I thought it was Taha Wahal. Wahal. Yeah, so that, that was a really good one. I, I've i got a few favourites. One that I loved doing was Ruth, um, who was the positive psychologist at the University of East Ruth London. Hughes. Ruth Hughes. Ruth Hughes. She's absolutely amazing. Um, I literally spent... I went to, I went to see her and spent uh, about three hours just chatting to her. Yeah. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. And then I'll tell you who else I've got a real soft spot for, um, Bernadette Russell. Mm. Bernadette Russell. I Bernadette's re- been on a few times. Bernadette Russell, I really, really like. I mean, I've got no favourites. You're all my favourites, uh, uh, people who have been on the podcast, because, you know, it's, it's a bit wrong having favourites, isn't I, it? Am I your favourite? Um, you're all right. Um, uh, Russ... Mediocre. <laughs> That's what I was going to say about you. Don't call my daughter medi- mediocre. How dare you? She's average. Um, 
Pushing it a bit. No, um, no, she's amazing, clearly. I'm joking. But Bernadette Russell was one of the, uh, uh, um, yeah, real, real inspiring sort of story. Really nice, really funny, really sweet, and just really consistently doing amazing stuff out in the world. I I absolutely loved it. You know what was weird? Did I tell you the last time I saw Bernadette Russell? No. Uh, I saw her. Bear in mind that we've... Oh, sorry, you did. You was jogging around London. Well, prior, prior to this, I was, I, I, was, I was doing a bit more than jogging around London, Russ. Was that what prior, you were doing the marathon? Prior to this, I'd never met Bernadette Russell in real life. We'd only communicate via Zoom. And I'd read her books and stuff like that. And I found myself doing the London Marathon last October and running past her house. And I knew that Bernadette for the London Marathon, uh, she lives sort of that part of the uh, part of London we don't talk about too often on the Kindness Project. South, South London. Um, but she, I found yes. myself running through London uh, past her house. And just imagine, you're Bernadette. You've never met this bloke before. He's a bit sweaty because he's been running a bit hard. And suddenly he just runs past her house going, Bernadette! It was it was a bit of a strange oh, experience for us. <laughs> Bernadette, hello. Um, it must she have been. A... She wasn't in. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was outside her house, Charlotte. She was in. She she was in because I knocked for her and said, "Do you want to play out?" Um, no, she was in, um, and uh, it was it was really nice. Yeah, I still don't know to this day whether she knew it was me, um, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll assume she does. Her. I'll assume she does. So we've done favourite guests. Again, completely off tangent for the start of the podcast, but as, as always, uh, appreciated the chat. What I'd like to do is move on to the official uh, question of the podcast, which is um, what celebrity voice could you listen to all day? Now, my one is an old classic. I think most people think this guy's got an amazing voice. It's Joe Pasquale. Who's yours, Russ? Joe Pasquale. Joe Pasquale. I don't know. You can't listen to his voice. He's dead. Sorry, Russ. It's a shame. Yeah. He was synthesized, though, so I'm pretty sure we can get our lives. I just. I remember the day. I genuinely don't know. I mean, Russ, that is as close to the line as we'll ever get on the Kindness Project. You say you saying your favourite voice of all time is Stephen Hawking. I don't know whether that's affected him or not, Charlotte. Should we assume it is and move I, on very I, quickly? I took it as Russ doesn't enjoy listening to um, the human voice. Yeah, you like a synthesised voice, I Russ. Know. What's your favourite human voice? Megan Thatcher. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you like this one to? You don't mind a bit of Maggie. <laughs> we don't talk about Maggie. No. Yeah, we're not supposed to get political on the podcast. We, no, right? we're not. We're not. We're talking about Maggie Thatcher's voice. Or oh, I was, Russ. What were you talking about when you said you didn't mind a bit of Maggie? <laughs> were you talking about the her deep, voice? The deep shame. I quite, I quite like Bungalow Boris as well. Oh, he's funny. He's um, a riot. Um, not, his, not his politics. What you can't see, um, uh, listeners, is now that Russell has professed his love for Maggie Thatcher, 
and Sandy doesn't mind a bit of Maggie. He has got bright red. <laughs> Don't, because our listeners up north are going to have it in for me now. Well, I didn't say I liked a bit of Maggie, did I? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think any any of the listeners of the Kindness Project are that way inclined, right? Also, we don't have that many UK listeners. If I'm going to be, no, we have. We've got a few. Yeah, we've got a fair few. You've got a fair few. What's that happen? What do you mean? We've been doing this for four years now. We've yeah, but I thought a lot of our listeners were, like, external. Yeah, yeah, well, they're external to this rumour. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Russell likes Stephen Hawking and Maggie Thatcher. Who are you keen on? Um, <laughs> don't know. Come on, you must have a voice that you really like. Uh, not my own. Anyone but me. Okay, anyone but you. My one is Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry's got an amazing voice. I'll tell you who has got an amazing voice. David Attenborough. Yes. Attenborough. Brian Cox. Uh, What Brian Cox are you talking about? Are you talking about the Scottish actor or the Northern Scientist? And the other one. The Scientist. Okay. He's got quite a chilled voice, actually. The other great voice on the other side, Brian Blessed. Blessed. I I went I once went to an event with Brian Blessed, right? He was he was like one of these after dinner speech things. And he was booked in to do forty five minutes. One hour fifty minutes later, he's still talking about the fact that he's got loads of animals in his house and stuff like that. And then literally every about every seven minutes, he thought, I'm you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna chuck him a catchphrase. So he's just stood up and went, Go on into and 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 that was that was it. It was very weird. Now you don't know, Charlotte, what that means, do you? Have you ever seen? Do you know what that means, Russ? No, vaguely. Have you ever seen a film called Flash Gordon? No. Yeah. Well, Brian Blazid is a British actor. He's in Flash Gordon, and that's good his. for him. And on that note, can you tell everybody uh, where they can oh. write in and? Yeah. Um... On Twitter, we're at Ola Kindness. <laughs> um, on Facebook, if you have the Kindness Project in the search bar, it, we should come up top. And if we don't, we're going to have to have a word with Facebook management. Um, if you type the Kindness Project podcast into Google, we should be the first one that comes up. If not, we're going to have to talk to Google management. If you type <laughs> We're talking a lot to a management. How are we going to get through to Google management? I'll add all this. Hi, Larry Page. Sort us out. Russ, email Google management. <laughs> Who else we need? What other Facebook management? management? Facebook management. Um, Zook. Email Zook. Tell him we're not getting the, the exposure we need. Um, if you type www.kindnessproject.co.uk, we won't have to bother with Facebook with Google management uh, because we will immediately come up unless you have typed it wrong and then you will have to have a word with Google management. Well, I'm sorry, I meant a cut <laughs> What you'll have, have to do is talk to um, our website management, which is Russ. Yeah. And I've got to be honest, he's probably an e- a bit easier to get in touch with than Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, no. oh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with Russ, <laughs> complain about um, not coming up you and you want to talk to a kindness project management, you just type honour at the kindness project dot co dot UK. Uh, and, and that you, email you will say, get straight you say, through to Russ. You say holler to Russ. Um, and you tell them there's a problem uh, and you need to sort it out with Kindness Project Management. Uh, Russell ignore it. If, um, <laughs> if, 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 if what Russell has said has, um, has 
been deeply offensive to you on any level, you can break his windows and he's full of dresses. No, there's no go left. <laughs> on that note, let's end there and move on to the next part of the show, which um, clearly, Russ, um, you're not going to say anything offensive on because you've already done that. Um, <laughs> and, and, the, uh, and it is... Um, uh, kindness news! Kindness news! Oh, what and was that? Charlotte, while, while I eat a cupcake, a very tasty cupcake, um, uh, we are going to tell you a little bit of news, Charlotte. Sure, yeah. I can do that. Holocaust survivors reunite in Florida after a labor camp friendship was broken 80 years ago. <laughs> Those who say there's no such thing as destiny need to make meet Jack Waxel and Sam Ron, victims who met during the Holocaust and who met again 79 years later in South Florida. Having endured slave labour shoulder to shoulder in the Pionkin... I'm not laughing at the story. You are making a right mess eating that cupcake. I've just dropped a bit of my cupcake. <laughs> the dog's going to eat it. It's fine. Now, this is an intro, but I'm so sorry, Schmel and Ron. Um, uh, sorry, Ron and Jack. Sam and Jack. Jack and Sam, I'm so sorry to make a mockery of your news story whilst eating a cupcake. Um... Well, Charlotte's going to start again, and we're going to do it justice this time, Charlotte. <laughs> Whilst I just pick my cupcake off the floor. No, leave it, the dog. <laughs> oh, unless you dropped icing and then the dog can't have that. <laughs> oh! Crack on. Holocaust survivors reunite in Florida after a labour camp friendship was broken 80 years oh. ago. Those who say there's no such thing as destiny need to make, meet Jack Waxall and Tim... Sam Ron, victims who met during the Holocaust and who met again 79 years later in South Florida, having endured slave labour shoulder to shoulder in the Pionkin, Pion, add an extra N then, Pionki labour camp in Poland, the two were separated after Waxel escaped into the forest and Ron was moved to a different camp that was ultimately liberated. Neither knew the other had survived until Waxel attended a U United States Holocaust Memorial Museum South Florida dinner last Sunday and found his old camp comrade to be the guest speaker. Introduced by his for former name of Schmuel Rakowski, Waxel felt as if he was seeing a fraternal brother. He jumped off the seat and came running over to my seat and saw says, you're my brother. I was very emotional. I'm normally not a very emotional guy, Ron explained. Just teenagers at the time of their imprisonment, the two managed to both immigrate to the United States, specifically to Ohio, where they both lived for 40 years, unaware of each other's existence, before eventually moving to the south. We were pushing coal to the oven to make heat to make power, and Jack said he worked at the same place. Ron said of their time in the camp, Hard work, bad conditions, cold hunger, hundreds of people died. It wasn't uncommon to wake up in the morning and find the person next to you cold. Despite living 40 miles apart, the two men are determined to keep the survivors' flames burning and fill in the massive gaps of years with life stories. <laughs> Ron occasionally makes appearances at schools to teach young people about his experiences. I try to teach them not to hate and to have a lot of hope and believe in yourself. This is what I did. This is how I survived because I believe in myself, Ron said. Ari Odza, reporting for NBC, says succinctly of the pair that they revenged themselves against Adolf Hitler by living long, successful lives and having children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you look at... A story like that, and the best way that 
Um, the best way that they've shown that hatred that the Nazis had was just such a sort of uh, uh, negative thing was to just be, ignore what they did and just be successful. There's a really... Well, I wouldn't say they ignored it. I'd say they lived through it. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly they, they live through it. But to come out the other end and you know, mentally cope with that, be able to go on to live yeah, successful lives. Yeah, they live through what they remembered. Yeah. yeah. And there's a really good book. Um, certainly I'd recommend it to my listeners and I'd definitely recommend it to you too, called Man's Search for Meaning by a guy called Viktor Frankl. Um, and he, um, he watched his wife die in Auschwitz. Uh, came out um, uh, and he was trying to make sense of the world through this prism of how can the world make sense when I've gone through this experience. Um, and, you know, 50% of the book is talking about his experiences in the camps um, and then it talks about his experience outside as a psychologist and psychotherapist and what he learned to cope with from that experience. So certainly... Um, certainly definitely worth man search for meaning is definitely worth um, uh, giving a read to and on that note we're going to move on to the um, uh, interview the interview this week is with Penny Power. Penny's a, an amazing business lady uh, she runs businesses with her husband um, uh, too uh, and they effectively um, set up the first social network before business social network so before linkedin ever existed um, penny and her husband set up a business called uh, academy um, which effectively was social networking for business people way before linkedin we talked a little bit about that we also talk uh, quite a lot with penny about why one of her values in business we share, which is kindness. Um, so I hope you really enjoy the first part of the interview with Penny. Penny, thank you so much for joining us on the Kindness Project. How are you today? I'm very happy. I'm, I'm very <laughs> happy here. Lovely to be talking about kindness the world needs. Yeah, that's a great start. I'm very happy. I don't think we've ever had a guest that started with I'm very happy before. Normally it's, <laughs> it's I'm good. Why are you so happy today? Um, well, I mean, to start with, I believe being happy is a very important value. Yeah. And it's a, it's a state of mind, isn't it? So It's a choice, isn't it? It is a choice, although, you know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, there's some unhappy things go on and I've had my fair share. But, yeah, I think at any moment of time, I like to be a happy person. It's certainly much nicer for the person at the end of the podcast and you, who I'm talking to, to know that I'm happy. Doesn't no, I love it. Not without my uh, shit in life sometimes. Yeah, well, look, well, this is the thing. Life, life does come come with, uh, with challenges. But I think how, how important to you is, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, I don't want to go off topic too early, no, but how, how important to you is gratitude? Do you think gratitude is important in your, in your happiness? Oh, my goodness, yeah. It's fundamental, isn't it? I mean, from a very little girl always being able to count my blessings were very important um yeah I mean I do believe managing your mental fitness is critical and I wouldn't delegate that to anyone else 
I, I really find it fascinating that people point fingers at people for saying I'm mentally ill, mentally unhealthy because of X, Y, Z. Starts with ourselves, doesn't it? Same yeah, you've got to look in the mirror, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So as we as we had a quick conversation before the podcast, we are quite a broad church at the Kindness Project. We uh, we we our church just includes people who want to uh, listen to amazing stories of people doing great stuff in the world. So um, some of our audience may know you, some of them some of them won't. But just tell us a little bit about you. Uh, so um, what shall I tell them? Where shall I start? So I'm 57. No, I'm not. I keep saying that. <laughs> A year ago, I was, a year ago, a week ago, I was 58. So I'm 58, born in okay. Um, I'm a mother of three children who are all adult working entrepreneurs. Um, married for 32 years, which is rather lovely, to Thomas. And from a, I live in the south of England, um, in the countryside. So I'm looking out into forests at the moment. Nice. And um, I, uh, I suppose what I'm known for from a, from an identity point of view, rather than just who I am, um, for starting the first social network in the world, which some people go, nah, <laughs> how could you make that claim? But it was in 1998. You can um, look at Academy online. That's like Academy, but with an E. Um, and we started in 1998 uh, for business owners to be friends with one another. Um, so that's what I sort of am known for. But who I am is very much someone that's driven by people make sure they know they matter um yeah. spreading a bit of love in business and uh the power of community in uh, yeah. a sense of belonging for people community is so important though isn't it you know what as a as a business owner myself and i say this quite a lot it can be a lonely place can't it oh god de desperately yeah. In fact, in a poll that I conducted, it was actually in 2017, I was just looking back on it because I was writing about loneliness again, economic loneliness, business, commercial loneliness. 83% mm. um, of business owners said they were lonely, and that was on Facebook, but I asked the same question on LinkedIn a few months ago, and I think it was 67% said it on LinkedIn, yeah. so I don't know whether yeah. they're not quite as honest on LinkedIn as they are on Facebook about their emotional state, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, business loneliness is huge. It's completely different to uh, loneliness at home. I've experienced loneliness when I first became a mummy, even though I was surrounded by my gorgeous baby. And yeah. I experienced loneliness stepping out of the business world and going into that place where I no longer had any identity, really. I've experienced massive loneliness as a child. Um, and I've experienced business loneliness. And they're all very different. Um, yeah. But they all come down to... Uh, do I have any significance to anyone else? Well, you know, yeah. do I matter? Do I matter? Does yeah, anybody yeah. notice me? Am I being heard? And in business, when you feel that way, it has a huge impact on your output, your economic yeah. output, yeah. Uh, your self-esteem, your self-worth, how you value yourself in the business world, your courage, your resilience. Yeah, it's very important, but it's epidemic even though we're more connected than we ever have been in the world, in, the, in history, we are more lonely. Well, we're certainly more connected, but I mean, I suppose the challenge might be our, how deep is that connection in today's world, isn't it? You know, it's, it, sometimes it feels superficial and shallow, and I think we need to do more about deepening those 
connections potentially but and yeah, how honest how honest is the connection with you you know how honest are you being with yourself well and i think we all have that identity but then we have our truth and it's whether we close the gap between well i mean i, I suppose one of the things that i was i was going to say and that comes across in what i've seen you do is just that authenticity you know that that element of turning around and going look i'm struggling i've struggled some days are good some you know i've had pain i've had loneliness I know you've written a book called Business is Personal. Help me understand what that means to you. Well, I know not all of your listeners are business people, so I'm going to try. I know we both want to keep it fairly general, but if I talk about it in a, a working environment, um, I've always been more driven by emotional intelligence. I've always been more driven by the energy someone has um, when I connect with them. And I think all of us vary in our ability to feel that energy some of us are more resilient to people's energies so um and i always wanted to be in a caring some form caring profession from the age of 12 i wanted to be um, a physiotherapist working cerebral palsy children so finding myself in business at 19 and then ending up making a business career whatever drives you inside never really leaves you yeah. Um, and so I was never, ever going to become someone driven purely by transactions. And yeah. um, I'm not saying that I'm not driven by some success in my financial life, because that certainly helped me to give a better life to my family and security going in the future. Also helps me needing other people to support me. I, yeah. I remember the, yeah. someone saying the world doesn't need another poor person. And that's very true. So a lot of caring people actually can be financially destitute and the world doesn't need that so i think it's about a balance so business um you know going into business i i i suppose my my overall drivers are still in that in that ilk that's what makes my heart tick yeah yeah, yeah. So it's about helping people isn't it yeah, but I mean, there's helping and then there's rescuing. And I don't want to rest, you know, I think the worst thing yeah. to do for someone is to rescue them because you disempower them. So I am very driven to empower people and help them find their, you know, true talent and uh, their true path in their business life. But business is personal, that phrase and the, the reason I wrote my book is because somebody said to me once in business and they were an investor in a business that I had, Penny, I don't need to like you. It's business. It's not personal. And I thought that's just such a revolting way. Yeah, but actually, you know, going through the 90, 80s and 90s in business, that was the attitude. You know, you had, if you look online, if you watch um, The Apprentice um, on the UK TV, if you watch what's it called, Shark Tank, I think in America it's called, it's all about an aggression and a rudeness yeah. to people. And if even if you watch Dragon's Den, I just, you know, it, I can't watch it actually because it makes my heart bleed when I see these very courageous people come in and get very little credit, even if they don't get an investment, they don't leave them with a self-esteem and yeah. I, I can do attitude. So to me, we have to get rid of this sort of business isn't personal attitude and realize it's it's wholly personal. And also we all want companies. I've just had a problem with a company in London double billing me on a hotel bill. Went through on my Amex bill, 365 pounds, bloody annoying. And you you try and get somebody to empathize with the fact that you don't want to have to pay your Amex bill. 
at the end of the month with two lots of payments on it. They don't yeah. care because everybody hides behind a telephone or a computer keyboard and they don't put the humanity into the fact they're talking to a person and the life. But, but, but I suppose the interesting thing, uh, I mean, you know, sort of, so my, my sort of day job, so to speak, um, is a run a financial planning business. In my, in my head, and I suppose it's it's the way that, you know, it's the way that I choose to run my business, do, do you know, having deeper personal relationships is fundamental in our business. You know, it's what we do. Um, why wouldn't that be a, perceived as a particularly good thing, do you think? I think it is changing. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it's down to role models that you have yeah. um, and whether, you know, they're the sort of people you want to be like and um, or whether you just follow them because some form of misdirected admiration in them. But, yeah, yeah you're right. But I think it is changing because I don't think we... You know, let's th um, let's uh, take things apart a little bit here. I'm 57 and my parents were from the what's called the silent generation. So that generation were the children of the greatest generation and the greatest generation were the people who fought and definitely observed and witnessed and experienced two world great wars, two world wars. So they made massive sacrifices. You know, my if I look at my mum's mother, four of her seven siblings never married because yeah, they, would, yeah. they didn't have anybody to marry. So my father, I remember saying to me that when he was 12 and he was evacuated in the war, that you, he got evacuated out to this farmhouse that was converted into a boarding school for boys. And they were basically told, never complain. We don't want your tears. Um, you've got to rebuild this country because you owe your forefathers that. Gotcha. Right? And don't complain. And therefore, don't bring emotion in. So there's been a generation of people going into business to build where they've locked their emotions down and I can now say this because my father's now passed away I was always careful to say this because he did follow my career and watch my podcast and things but you know my dad and my to a certain extent my mum were, were not able to show emotion and so how, what sort of leaders in business would there be yeah so now, I think I'm the channel for my children between my parents, and we all are. And it's up to us to say, well, that's how my father did it, and therefore that's how I'm going to do it. Or actually, life could be a little bit different. So I yeah. think emotion is coming back into leadership, and therefore it will change the cultures of organisations. And, and I, I, think, I think you're right. I think it depends on how you define success. You know, it's that definition of, you know, you know, do we define success as just more money in the bank or do we define it as a a healthy rounded holistic life that includes happiness and mm. the chance to just be more emotionally open um, yeah but, exactly yeah it's interesting but we do create you know when i do my talks i um i do talk about how i lost myself for about six years when i went into financial scarcity yeah and fear and you know we we just went through some serious hell uh, but yeah, I had this identity as a global entrepreneur that had built this huge business. That was my identity, but that wasn't my reality. Um, but I was trying to maintain the identity of that. Yeah. And so many of us in this day and age, especially seeing everybody online, think, well, that's what an entrepreneur should be. And therefore, that's how I should behave. You know, I should behave rich. You know, I've known people 
hire a Ferrari for the day, borrow their father's house for the day. Yeah, it's all built and sand, though, isn't it? And then stand yeah. and say, come on my training course, I can teach you how to be rich like me. Yeah, yeah. And it's such BS. But this so, is the thing. But this is a big thing. It's that like gap. Like uh, I think you've closed that gap. Like that authenticity compared to the reality. I think yeah, yeah. You're right. In today's world, there are always going to be people who you know take, in my opinion, poor advice, fake it till you make it, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I hate it. Um, as opposed to turning around and going, you know. Sort of like so. When I look at my business, we're eleven years in now. You know, pretty well established. Loving what we do. Loving the value add. The first two years, two and a half years, I think I may have wanted to give up about ten or eleven times. You know, it was just it, it was a tough journey. And I think if we're not honest with people about that journey, then they're going to go in with different expectations aren't they it's yeah it is i mean we're all climbing a mountain i'm just trying to think of a metaphor when i was listening to you but i was thinking if i've got to climb a mountain and the first thing i need to do is go on a bit of a training course then learn how to use clampons and then start that first base camp get get to the base camp if i'm acting like i'm already on the top of the mountain yeah yeah, yeah. I, um I, I, i'm just not going to be prepared for it yeah, aim for it, but be yeah, just, yeah. just but just, be just, realistic be, with yourself. Be, so, yeah, be, be yeah, understand the journey. Yeah, so also I, I, there was actually something I was just reading about again, which I wrote about this back in two thousand and nineteen. No, seventeen. I was listening to Claudia Hammond on um, a Radio Four program, and she was talking to um, some professors on dopamine about dopamine, the production of the raw center of the brain, and. Um, basically they did this little experiment which is quite interesting so this doc this professor called somebody from out of the audience and said to this person i'm going to give you 10 pounds and she said why and she said, i'm just going to give you 10 pounds and she said fine and they monitored the dopamine chemicals somehow so she was very happy she's got 10 pounds and he said i'm actually going to give you 20 and went, oh I'm very happy i've got 20 pounds and then he said in fact i'm going to give you 50 because i like you so 50. So she went from no nothing to 50 pounds. And then he said, uh, actually, I'll take back 30. Here's 20. Right. So she was 20 pounds up. But the expectation had grown to 50 pounds. Yeah, loads of version. Yeah. And yeah. so it's really interesting that if you try and pretend to be someone that you're not, you're actually creating a gap in any success. Expectation. Yeah, yeah. Expectation, you never meet it. So, the yeah, interesting. Is, so you can never get that dopamine rush of I am doing well. That was really good, Charlotte, wasn't it? Yeah. Amazing. Glad you enjoyed it. And who's going to do a little jingle at the end? Kindness. Nope, wrong one, wrong one. Have to go through my roll. <laughs> Not kindness news. Wrong one. Tis the end. Yeah, yeah. i got to go through my roll. <sighs> Tis the end of another podcast. The end is never truly the end. The end is always the beginning of something entirely new. Okay, and last week's podcast question was, if you were a circus act, what would you be? Mike Grizzly said, Jagger, the amount of stuff I've had in the past four years, managed to keep it all going and look quite calm while doing it. Steve Dan would be the bearded woman. With my man boobs, I'd almost be there. Um, Claire Foster Clearo, at the moment, I feel like Dumbo. Uh, Craig Kavanagh said, the fed up liar. Gillian Bird said, the clown. Justin Gaffney said, the ringmaster. Uh, Mark Bartley said, the strong man. Um, 
Brian Hill said the current circus is the Houses of Parliament. Again, getting a bit political for us at the Kindness <laughs> Project. And that is it, my friends. That yeah. is the, the end of another show. Thank you for joining us. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you next time on the Kindness Project. Bye. Bye.